The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Saudi Arabia's energy minister is defending the decision by OPEC nations and their allies to cut production by more than two mil- million barrels a day. Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman said that cuts could stretch beyond the first quarter if necessary. We wanted to market to know that there would be a phased-in approach. And since we don't know what would be the market situation be it in January, February, March, we wanted to be careful about what language we use by saying it will be also, it will be phased out or gradually, and it will be based on market condition. The minister added there are already signs that oil demand is improving, but as we heard, a six-week low here for WTI down to $73.29 a barrel. And I'll add that coming up in a few moments, we'll be chatting with Carly Garner, a senior broker and analyst at DeCarly Trading, about the latest at OPEC. Well, a top Wall Street firm is weighing in as markets bet on aggressive Fed rate cuts next year. The story from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. Goldman Sachs believes financial markets are far too optimistic about the size of rate cuts, with one and a quarter percentage points priced in over the next 12 months. A half a point trim is projected by June. Goldman strategists say that suggests a U.S. economy already on the brink of a downturn. And the numbers are well above Goldman's own forecast, which calls for a single quarter point decrease in 2024. Goldman favors options to counter excessive rate cut pricing. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Radio. So your stock's up 172%. Do you sell? Well, Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg is unloading stock in the company for the first time in two years. It comes after the company rapidly rebounded from a rough patch in 2022. Zuckerberg's trust, as well as entities for his charitable and political giving, unloaded about 682,000 shares in November. That's worth about $185 million. But Bloomberg's Mandeep Singh doesn't expect Zuckerberg's move to really concern investors. If you look at the number of shares he's selling, it's less than 0.1% of his overall stake in the company. And even though he has a 13% stake, he has about 60% voting rights. So that doesn't change at all. This is like a drop in the bucket when it comes to his ownership of Meta. As Bloomberg's Mandeep Singh, we mentioned that Meta shares had been up 172% this year through the end of November. And by the way, that means the company's stock outperformed all major U.S. tech companies other than NVIDIA. Spotify technology is cutting 17% of its workforce. Now, this marks at least the third time that the streaming service has carried out mass layoffs this year. The aim here is obviously to shrink cost and drive profitability. Here is Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. 
This is the third trim of workforce that Spotify will have done this year, but the deepest. 17% is about 1,500 staff. That takes the total for this year to around 2,000. What Daniel Ek, the CEO, said in his letter or statement is that they've considered doing sort of smaller reductions over a period of time, but decided that, quote, substantial action now was the right way to go. Remember, things aren't bad for Spotify necessarily. They're on track to add around 100 million users this year, which would make their best year for sort of subscriber growth. Um, But profit is hard to come by. That is Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. By the way, Spotify previously cut about 6% of its workforce. That was back in January, and then another 2% in June. Today, if you look at the stock, Spotify shares were up nearly 7.5%. Brian? China has criticized the United States for seeing it as a threat. Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann has this story from Hong Kong. China reacted sharply to recent remarks from U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo at a defense forum. Raimondo said her department needed more funding to prevent China from catching up on cutting-edge chip technology. She said that's, quote, the biggest threat we've ever had. In response, a Chinese foreign ministry spokesman said the U.S. should stop saying one thing and doing another. The spokesman said the U.S. should stick with the common understandings reached in the San Francisco meeting between Presidents Xi and Biden. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Radio. Well, later today, Australia's central bank is expected to revert to a pause on rate hikes. We'll get an RBA decision at around 2.30 in the afternoon. That is Sydney time. Here's Bloomberg's Garfield Reynolds in Sydney. The Reserve Bank of Australia will keep its cash rate at a 12-year high of 4.35% on Tuesday. That's according to both the Bloomberg Survey of Economists and Market Pricing. The RBA delivered a protective hike last month to ensure inflation remains on track to return to target. Governor Michelle Bullock has warned that while inflation has eased to about 5%, the next leg down to 2 to 3% target is likely to be drawn out. Policymakers here have been more cautious than offshore, which has increased the pressure on the RBA to maintain a hawkish stance. I'm Garfield Reynolds, Bloomberg Radio. Now it's time for global news. Israeli forces are now fighting in almost all parts of Gaza, pushing further south after spending weeks in the north. Ed Baxter has that story and more from the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, you're right, Brian. It's been pretty much on hold, hasn't it? Uh, It's using airstrikes as well as ground now in force. It is definite, continuing uptick in the use of force. Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Hordern reports this is not the direction the U.S. wants it to go, and the Palestinians are really becoming trapped. I asked Admiral Kirby, where do they go? And his answers were that they told Israel that they do not support southern operations unless they factored in all the civilians. And then his second point is that they urged yet again to think about how to make sure civilians are safe and pursue operations that account for civilians. But that was his answer. There's no direct geographical place that they are telling Palestinians to go. So it does feel like, and where many, many progressives in the United States are talking about, is that these individuals, these people are trapped. But Israel says part of the response is to try and find hostages. Now, Israel's ambassador to the U.N., Zippy Hadalevi, says Hamas has brutalized women held hostage in Israel and cannot let it get away with it. Hamas brutally murdered and raped innocent women. And this type of mentality to terrorize innocent people, to terrorize the entire Israel, this is something that was part of a psychological warfare. We're not going to let this type of, of crimes 
to be under the radar. And State Department spokesman Matthew Miller says the U.S. is very concerned about the treatment of the hostages held by Hamas. We've obviously seen the reports that Hamas has committed sexual violence. They've committed rape. Um, we have no reason at all to doubt those reports. And Bloomberg opinion Bobby Ghosh says uh, the right wing of the, Israel's, uh, of the Israeli government, well, the rhetoric, he says, is just not helping at all. They're not helping Israel, and they're certainly not helping Israel's supporters, okay. most prominently the Biden administration, which is trying to rein in some of these instincts uh, among the Israelis, which is trying to... Uh, Tell the Israelis, tell Bibi Netanyahu that you need to be Mm. more conscious about uh, civilian casualties. In the Red Sea, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says the situation is becoming very dangerous. This past weekend saw four attacks against three separate commercial vessels operating in international waters in the southern Red Sea. Three vessels that are connected to 14 different nations, which goes to show you the extent to which this is truly a source of global concern and a threat to international peace and stability. He says if the attacks continue, could widen the scope of the regional action. Russian President Vladimir Putin will travel to the UAE and Saudi Arabia this week. The meetings in Saudi Arabia will be very important for the leaders of OPEC plus countries and as Russia becomes more and more isolated on the world stage. In Hong Kong, pro-democracy activist Agnes Chow has confirmed on social media that uh, she will not go back and uh, to Hong Kong will stay in Canada says she plans to go into self-imposed exile. Global News 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Vonnie Quinn, and we'll get back to uh, looking at uh, a little bit more on the OPEC Plus uh, production cuts uh, that's coming up. And joining us now is Carly Garner, senior broker and analyst at DeCarly Trading. Carly, so there is a lot of skepticism out there on the OPEC Plus supply cuts, and there's Russia. Uh, We just heard from Prince Abdulaziz there, and he said that he wanted Russia to cut, but he said he couldn't convince his Russian counterpart that it's tough for Russia to cut in the winter. Do others have their reasons as well? Uh, Yeah, so the one thing that we always have to keep in mind is we should follow what OPEC does, not what they say. Sometimes they say things and and don't necessarily follow through, and it's because, um, you know, there's a lot of of moving parts there. And another thing I'm going to point out is that uh, Russia is in the middle of a war and they have they have bills to pay they've uh, on the commodity side of things they've flooded the market with wheat to help finance the war and it's uh, not out of the question to think that they might consider doing something similar with oil if they if need be um, so yeah i think this is you know opec's pulling out all the stops but if you look at price action in the market we're seeing a much different story um, 
even the most bullish of bullish news comes out today and even, uh, you know, a month or, or so ago when the war broke out and oil just can't seem to, to hold rallies. Speculators are selling into it. And I think this is because we had such a very large position um, going into late se- September on the long side and specs are kind of finding out that the supply disruptions that they were pricing in and the OPEC supply cuts that they were pricing in aren't really making up for the lack of demand. So will it take economies to start growing really pretty substantially again for that demand to come back? Or is it the industrial part of the economies or what is it? Well, what I believe it is, and this is my theory, is I think technology has been kind of the uh, working in the background in favor of consumers. Technology is allowing U.S. shale producers to produce a lot more oil with a lot fewer rigs than they normally or they have been able to in the past. Um, And we're also seeing... um, Vehicles are a lot more efficient than they used to be. There's more EVs and even uh, gas-fueled vehicles are are using less uh, energy. So there's a lot of things that are uh, working in favor of pushing oil prices down. Now, if you look at the really big picture, um, I think there's reason to be bullish long-term oil, or at least um, if we're talking months, not weeks. We've got a dollar, which I believe is the U.S. dollar, I believe has rolled over and will continue to move lower. Um, We have the a global consensus that maybe interest rates have at least stabilized and maybe even peaked. And those things eventually will help crude on the upside. Um, but for the near term, if we're talking the next couple of weeks, I think there's some downside momentum here in crude. The trend is lower. Uh, speculators are still holding about half of the, the net long position that they started putting on when OPEC announced uh, cuts originally in the summer. And I think that position needs to get liquidated or washed out. And that should put us in the high 60s here in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, well, what, what feels is, like mm-hmm. what feels like a fair price at the moment for WTI? Well, the market is really, really comfortable in the low 70s. So if you're if you're talking about a fair price, this is probably a fair price. Markets rarely stay at fair prices for long. Uh, there's just too many moving parts. And I think that's maybe what uh, we might learn here in the next couple of weeks as speculators liquidate the rest of their position. I think markets always overshoot on the downside and the upside. And I think we're in store for an overshoot on the downside that puts us into the high 60s. But then I think we're probably looking at a buying opportunity for the bulls down there. Well, it's interesting because we're seeing a fascinating dynamic play out in the natural gas market as well. We saw a bit of a rally and now natural gas futures are also plummeting. What's the correlation between crude and natural gas, if any, Carly? There, at the moment, there really isn't any at all. Natural gas is kind of a, a an odd commodity. It's a really treacherous market. They don't call it the widow maker for nothing. It uh, always overshoots on the upside dramatically. I mean, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about $8 and $10 natural gas, and now we're looking at twos and threes. So it's just a really wild market with a lot of leverage built in. Speculators are generally almost always net short natural gas. Um, so it's kind of the, a market that specs are trained or conditioned to sell rallies. And so that's exactly what we've been seeing. Seasonally, though, we're starting to get into the winter months. If there's any type of weather scare, natural gas could uh, flip the other way. But um, it's it's operating in a completely different storyline than crude oil. So overall, do you agree with Prince Abdulaziz that the skeptics on this will be proved wrong? Um, I mean, he, he could be right. I'm not going to second guess uh, anybody with any opinion in this market because this is there, I mean, uh, things are fluid, that's for sure. But I can say that any action that uh, the U.S. has taken, for example, the SPR uh, releases or OPEC 
um, they're generally temporary. Markets react in the short run, but in the long run, it's going to come down to the the really big picture of supply demand. All right, Carly, I think we're just about out of time, uh, but uh, thanks very much for joining us here live on the program. Carly Garner, the senior broker and analyst at DeCarly Trading. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.